Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Michael Waldman. He is managing member at Goldstock. We're going to talk to them about what they do in the cannabis industry, about how they help cannabis entrepreneurs, cannabis founders, cannabis CEOs to help grow and scale the business. I'm always excited to talk about folks that are helping cannabis companies grow. I think as everyone knows, it's there's a very active industry, um, but I think a lot of people feel like there's just money falling off trees. <laughs> Not really the case. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of challenges around it and, and really making sure that you've got the right people behind you, um, support network to help you grow and scale a cannabis business is, is really critical. Michael's been doing a lot of that. So I'm excited for this conversation. With that, Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, Likewise, it's, it's exciting having you on. So let's do a little background before we kind of get into the work you're doing today. Um, what's the story? How did you, what was your professional background? How did you get into cannabis? Give us the details. Well, I started in the, uh, I mean, a very young age in real estate and pre-18 years old. And my first uh, transaction was in Ontario, California. And my dad was my bank. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh 
The fact is, is that uh, from there, I started getting into lending in real estate and uh, I became a broker and a, a loan officer back in the day when Countrywide was around and Plaza Funding and all these you know, groups and and just really got a lot of satisfaction meeting people who were buying their homes and, um, you know, built a nice career and mostly just a knowledge bank, you know, just learned how to be with people. And I, I like to tell, you know, people that I used to set up my loan application appointments at five o'clock. And I knew that was dinner time. And I would always get invited to have dinner while I did the loan application. I love it. And that's where I learned how to speak Spanish because many of my clients were Hispanic and Latin. And so, sure. so uh, anyway, so, so really spent the last uh, 30 years as a career in, in real estate, in real estate financial instruments and started to build a book of of um, uh, investors, really clients and, and partners where we got, uh, we became more sophisticated. So syndicating real estate, uh, buying and selling notes um, and more of a real estate instrument based type of business. And to this day, we have we have two two companies, and one is strictly real estate investing, and the other is uh, cannabis. But um, we ended up just merging and 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 taking our, our like our brain trust. These are investors and partners that were good at tech or good at uh, medicine or good at um, uh, equities or you know they just had certain skill sets and were really uh, tuned into some environment, and we basically just merged those type of experiences and became active in the cannabis space. So we migrated those, uh, those talents and those resources into the cannabis space about five years ago. So, and I'd like to say the rest is history, but it's not, <laughs> you know, it's like, we're still making history, you know? Yeah. I guess so as you did that merger, what, what was easy, what was hard? I'm always curious when, when people are kind of pivoting in cannabis or, or figuring out how to integrate their various portfolios and, and involving cannabis. How did that work for you? Well, you know, Bruce, I think the the thing the thing is is that we're, we're mostly interested in in serving the needs of our customers, and so who are the customers? They're they're the founders, right, of cannabis operations, and they're ourselves, our employees, uh, people who you know have families and shareholders if it's a public company, and uh, our investors. So. I think that because we're so tuned into that and, and that, you know, from responding to phone calls to answering inquiries to having a, a real easy to read quarterly statement, just lots of different things. There is no difficulty for, for me, maybe to be able to be ahead of the curve, you know, I would say. I mean, but I, I guess it's there is no difficult or easy. There is just what it is, at least how we see things. I, I would say that, you know, being emerging in an emerging industry. If I had to answer, I would say really be at the, at the tip of the spear, the bleeding edge of an already existing emerging industry, I think has been so satisfying. And I would say that would be, I would consider that to be a quote unquote challenge, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing in cannabis. What, what kind of, what kind of companies are you working with? How are you helping them? What are the kind of things that you can offer given your background and expertise on the, you know, professionally that you have? Sure. Well, as I said before, is that we're in that unique space of, of already coming in to a in this space, the cannabis space, with a book of knowledge of real estate, for instance. So that's a great mm-hmm. example. So we know that because the, there is not a great deal of commercial lending going on through the institutional corridors, 
that it would be a great space for us to apply our skill sets. And so, so I would say that what really anchored us into the industry to start with was just our private lending abilities. And, you know, we weren't particularly concerned about gobbling up equity. I know at the uh, three or four years ago, people were saying, well, I'll give you this loan at, at 15%. And plus we want 20% of your company. <laughs> yeah. I just, we just saw it and never were interested in that kind of environment. Even the coupon was too high for us and we got a little yeah. nervous. And so we've always been able to deliver you know, super low coupons because we wanted to identify and work with founders that were reasonable and and integrity based and and you know great to be around and and that was outside of just the fundamental ways of doing good loans. So, but I would say that real estate was you know servicing that community has been very very you know a lot of success and and I would say because we migrated those same skill sets you know straight from our regular real estate business that includes the relationships with title escrow mm-hmm. and lawyers and you know all that stuff so it was a super super easy transition and to to this day I'm looking at I wrote down a couple of notes you know thinking that we might hit upon it we have a transaction in Oakland and we have a transaction in Phoenix both of which are just right up our alleys, you know, five to $10 million. And um, one is a first trustee, believe it or not, and the other is a second trustee. So, and, and we've, because of our skill sets, we're not afraid of junior subordinate type of lending activities, which a lot of people mm-hmm. do get a little queasy about. And why, and why is that? Like, why, why do those, do some people not like those second positions? Well, I would, I would say that, uh, they see an inherent risk because of because they're you know as lean priority goes the first mm-hmm. trustee does is is the first to act or first to move, yeah. um, and for us it could be very tactical you know meaning we think we can preserve that if we know who the first is know how they behave and being able to cure the first if there is an issue so um, there are guys out there and the, the word is or the phrase is uh, loan to own. <laughs> and um, yeah. which is terrible. I'm not saying it's terrible. It's like everybody has their deal. Yeah. This is the last. We're like a bank. You know, we do not want. Yeah. Last money. thing you want to do is take over operations. And we have, we have, we, yeah. have, we have done that. And, but I, I think it's, it's not our, that's not our, you know, as proclivities go, we're, we're really just keep it moving. It's a called mailbox money, I guess. So a lot of the founders appreciate that, you know, and, and we're already looking at kind of second generation transaction flow, folks that are, we're refinancing out and folks mm-hmm. that are looking for to uplift and do other transactions. So I think that, um, yeah, so I would say real estate, to answer your question, has always been very uh, at the front of our deal flow and how we're keeping our, our money working, you know, and on the table. Mm-hmm. So as you went from kind of non-cannabis to cannabis-related business, like what were some of the changes you had to make or what, what were the adjustments or flex that you needed to kind of put in place to actually operate successfully in cannabis? Well, I, I think we went from a very disciplined operation, Bruce, to a very undisciplined, you know, in the sense that all of a sudden we've got, you know, a transaction that where the folks want an extra $500,000 for equipment. Well, we don't know anything about equipment. <laughs> and we're finding out that uh, not all extraction equipment is the same. And uh, used equipment is a great value and can be you know, a great value to an operator who knows how to recondition and revalidate equipment. 
So I guess the thing is, is that we're, we're still always charged with the obligation of making sure to maintain high quality yields and having zero losses. So, so even though we're super curious, we're just, this is, I mean, why we do what we do is really important. You know, if we fold it up, we'd still be very, very happy today. And Mm -hmm. that goes for every single investor of ours and our partners and our employees. And so I think that the, which what drives us is the ability to be super, super curious. And at some levels, don't hit a home run. You know, we're okay with bunting and barely getting on base as long as we've learned a lot, you know, and and so we want to be able to be to be taught and we want to teach as well and be in an environment where we really can be curious and where we can grow. So getting back to that idea of being undisciplined. So beyond a real estate transaction, we might, uh, if it's a, it's a pubco, then we might now start to do a senior secured note, which we don't have a ton of experience in or didn't, mm-hmm. but, but we know our, our attorneys and we have We've always had a lot of attorneys that do different things for us. Um, no. We've had to now invite new attorneys to the to the game who are very smart and almost cagey in how to structure debt pieces on equities. So, and now we were able to do that because of that. So, I, I guess it gets back to the first statement of of being able to pursue transactions that are not just real estate and that might be attached to real estate. Spreading our wings a little bit because if our premise is the same, yeah. which is, which is uh, zero losses. And, you know, a clear understanding of, you know, what it is that we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish, serving the needs of our different levels of of customers. For me, it's my employees, it's my partners, and it's our, you know, the founders. And what, um, can you give us some examples of other transactions or, or deals that you've done recently to give us a flavor? Sure, sure, sure. So we did a transaction in an area called Coachella, and, and you know I'm not sure where the listeners are from, but it's it's considered the low desert of uh, yep. California. And from a real estate point of view, I've resisted that area for decades. I just never really liked it, and spent some time in uh, Rancho Mirage and Palm Springs as far as lending against commercial real estate. But as the cannabis goes, we just weren't really excited about it. But recently, very recently, we did a small first trust deed against some real estate with an extractor. And this extractor it just was just fabulous because they paid cash for their entire transaction. And it was a family operation, which really gets me excited because our, our, our operation in many ways is a family operation. So And, and so we... We basically hired a, a servicer to be able to service the note, and mm-hmm. this particular note was at a single digits uh, coupon, and we know we were, it was a, kind of a blue chip transaction for us. And the reason yeah. why, and this kind of gets to how we're thinking about our transaction flow, is that it served the need of a, another investment that we have in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, which is a, a testing lab. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, just because I'm milling things in my head and, and imagining how things can be, I thought about, well, you know, this particular lab is not an MSO and, you know, it's a public company. And it sure seems that, uh, you know, if it, if it had a presence in, in Central California or Northern California, that it would, it would be great for the shareholders and everything would be wonderful and, you know, they'd grow. And, and, and so it was thought to myself, well, if I make this transaction, that means these folks who, who are going to need testing would use our company. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of piecing it together a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. But it just so happens that months later, or not months, weeks later, an opportunity to buy a lab in the exact area. This is like, a, a you know, the idea of manifestation. This mm-hmm. is like, it just popped up. And so I tendered the offer, an offer to acquire that last week. So I'm just kind of piecing things together. And I love the word parlay because that's what this is. So, yeah. so I already know that my extract money people are going to use us. I mean, I don't know that for sure. They're not on the dotted line, but, you know, then they're, they're not beholden to me. I mean, we have, the lab has to provide an excellent service and all that good stuff. But I've got those kind of relationships where now I'm going to transition them straight into the lab so that I can, you know, out of the gates, have business for the lab. And it will. And it will. We'll actually send personnel to the, you know, get a place over at La Quinta and we'll just sell everything there. It's not even our role. It's not what we do, right? But mm-hmm. why not? You know, why can't I? I can. So that kind of flexibility, that, you know, lack of, I guess, for a better word, that discipline idea, not a lot of companies would do it, but we think it's exciting. I've walked through so many extract facilities. I've been in the fields of Mendo because I want to know. And and you know what? I'm going to be a trimmer in the next two weeks here in Vegas. I'm going to do it because I just, I I want that experience. I want to sit by the people who are doing that important work. You know, and uh, kind of like undercover boss. <laughs> <laughs> like it, yeah. I just, so, so because, you know, I'm 59 and I'll be gone in 20 years. So I want to be able to put on my bucket list that I was a trimmer. Um, exactly. So I trim weed. <laughs> yeah. Like, why not? You know, yeah. um, so those are two fresh deals that they're kind of like, you know, connective tissue. They're all combined. And, and if it goes well, then. Then I've got, you know, fabrics that are being joined and then I'm going to have a quilt when I'm done. And mm-hmm. so that's the idea. And, and then and then if everything goes really well, then my extractor is going to have a superior service, wonderful product because of our turn times and all that, you know, the lab's yeah. turn times. And then the lab shareholders will be happy because the valuations, because of revenue, because, you know, it's now a true MSO. And, and I'm already eyeballing, uh, remember I, I mentioned that we have that deal in Phoenix, the real estate deal. So I'm already thinking that I can enjoin those guys with the same lab and then we'll have a shop there as well. Yeah. I'm not getting paid as a consultant or anything like that, but I, I think that I'm learning a lot and um, you know, we'll get paid on the actual transaction flow. And you know, people are starting to listen to what we have to say. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, it is exciting. So if as you've looked at deals, what what kills a deal for you or what what does not, you know, what are the things that you see as problematic in, in some of the cannabis deals and the, the the kind of flow that you see out there right now? Well, here's the thing. I we're in the money business, you know, so and I'm not trying to, you know, say, well, we're the boss or anything like that. I mean, it's not that. But it, the way I operate is I'm not going to get in line to give somebody money to invest. I just don't do that. We never have done that. I'm not going to, you know, kowtow to folks who are going to tell me what the terms are. So my answer to your question is ego. My answer to your question, you know, what kills a deal is people's egos. Because even though I just said what I said, and it sounds like, you know, I'm trying to be a baller and all that. <laughs> the fact is, is it just the opposite? I mean, I generally think that people are smarter and bigger and more important than they really are. That's yeah. self-deprecating, but it, I just, I always get, I get starry-eyed when I talk to these folks that are, you know, making hundreds of millions of dollars or have all this influence. And then when I get to know them better, then I realize, you know, just regular. They're just people. <laughs> so, so I would say that my answer to that question is what generally kills deals for us is if I'm being shopped for a deal, 
if I'm not being attended to, if I'm meaning not paid attention to when the time, you know, comes and people who are puffing and blowing and, you know, acting super important. And, and that generally, you know, we really want to spend time with good people. That's a, it, that is critical. And so we turn down business all the time when we're just not feeling it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's nice to have enough deal flow that you can actually make those choices. I know a lot of folks who are just, you know, not, not, I know a lot of folks who are just, you know, not, not having enough deal flow is always so hard. Well, but when you have access to capital, you know, I think that's the thing. I mean, we've suffered, we've had bad months, but that's, that's infinitely better than getting into a deal with someone that, that because you're, if I'm investing or if we're lending or if we're deploying capital, that's like an, an advertisement for a partner. That's what people that just they become your partners, and so maybe you know implicitly and, and you know on paper certainly it, it's not a partnership, but yeah. in the end that's what it is. So so that's why we pass on like a lot of great operators. And I, I've seen you know I know who the competition is. I mean, if you want to call it that, the guys who have capital, these funds. And obviously, they're you know out of a hundred people that want capital, they're saying no to ninety eight people. So I get it. Yeah, and I guess where do you see the industry going? Like as as things grow, as this industry evolves, matures, as regulate regulation changes, legal you know federal legalization maybe happens at some level. How does this influence things, or where do you see the future of the industry going? You know, I got to tell you, this is uh, it's like a Chauncey on the movie, you know, Peter Sellers being there. Yeah. Where, you know, he, he will say, you know, the sun is shining and people are like, fuck, or excuse me, but they're like, they're they're like, the sun is shining. That must mean (laughs) that, that, you know, it's going to set soon. If it's going to set soon, I guess, you know, we all better take cover now. You know, they, they just say crazy stuff. So, so I take my bearings. I love that movie because I don't know. That's my answer. And, yeah. <laughs> and I don't really follow a lot of, of things. And I, I kind of wish I did because I would, you know, people ask me, even in real estate, I, I'm more cute in there. But I only know what I know, which is when a deal is in front of me, what am I mostly concerned about? I'm mostly concerned that it's structured, you know, very smartly and that I have exits. I have exits all over the place. My exits have exits. <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess, Bruce, that's... I really don't know. You know, I, I know that, I mean, we have uh, low seven figures in Colombia. People are saying, and, and I went there because I know the operators, right? And it's it's it's, it's a, what do you call it? A um, it, It's just materials. So it, it's uh, isolates, desolates, Got it. brood. And so I think I was, I understood it to be that the production costs are a fraction of what they are here. Now, I know what my production costs are here in, in Vegas. Um, our company has a stake in a, in a cultivation here in, in Vegas. And I agree that the production costs in Colombia, where it's just, you know, it's year-round growing and the cost of labor is wonderful and, and you know, you've got a great setup. But I can't pay attention to that too much because I really don't know that. And I don't know if Ecuador is going to come alive. And I don't know if Mexico is going to come alive real soon. And all of a sudden, everybody's got low cost. And then, you know, so to answer your question, I would say that the black market in California is not my friend. It's not my enemy. I don't even care. We don't care. Our company is, you know, we mostly concerned of, of being able to pivot quickly 
and trying to anticipate some things. But at the end, what we have in front of us is is rock solid. And so we don't get hurt. So the chaos is, has never been a problem for us. We kind of like that because at least we can we can count on uh, chaos and then know that there is, you know, many decisions are fear-based and, and but we're not that way. So we're contrarian in nature. So I think, you know, if someone were to say, well, say something, say something of value, where, where what's going to happen? <laughs> well, I can say the same thing everybody else is saying, you know, pharma's going to come in, the newts, newts yeah. and ag is going to come in. And I'm personally, I'm a farmer. I'm, I'm a truly a farmer. I don't have my master of gardening cert, but I could. I could. Uh-huh. That's part of why I like cannabis is it's just, uh-huh. I just, I just like to see things grow, yeah. but um, but uh, yeah. So I, I have nothing to add. I, I don't think that anybody else has said. I do love though that all these different uh, layers of people can get involved and make a living. You know, whether they're media or they're legal or they're accountancy or they're whatever. You know, they basically nihilo ex nihilo. You know, people are just making this stuff up as they go along out of nothing, which is just beautiful. It's just, you know, it's it it reinforces the idea that that we shouldn't operate out of lack. Yeah. No, I like that. You know, it, it can just be invented. Yeah. I mean, what's a good deal for you? I mean, it, beyond just making money or beyond, you know, the financial aspects of these deals, like what what is it you're really looking for or the impact you're hoping to have or what does success look like, you know, beyond the financial side? I would say to enlarge in our family, you know, so folks that want to just our own company, you know, so to, to go from seven to, to say 12, you know, so another, another five people in, in, in 2021 who have different skill sets that we can apply and who can, help us to grow at a, at a, you know, reasonable clip. But as deal flow goes, I would say that, you know, what I'm really excited about right now, really excited about is the whole, the cannabis area where you have, what is it called when Appalachia? Oh, the, um, yeah, the sommeliers and the, yeah, exactly. all the Appalachians and the, yeah. The Appalachian yeah. movement, you know, I've, yeah. I've some websites already because I already know it's going to do well. I mean, I've traveled the world, you know, so I know, you know how certain regions of the world are unique because they have certain properties and in, 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 in wind, sun, soil, the whole thing. So that's going to be a place. I'm really excited about that, but mostly because those growers that have you know tattoos and piercings and or second and third generation growers who are just crushing it you know in terms of their their skill sets yeah you know they now have a different way another way of maintaining their businesses to maintaining and growing their smaller you know boutique style grows through this real estate appellation movement I'm going to get involved with that. I don't know where, you know, I'm not a, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of, kind of a hermit, but I am going to get involved publicly and see if I can, you know, move that along, you know, for the benefit of, of, of these uh, important folks that have really invested their lives work in, in developing great products and strains and processes and SOP, not SOPs, but processes to, uh, to grow in a very, you know, low impactful way and using the resources in a, in a, you know, responsible way. So, so that was, I would say that's, 
Yeah, that's a big one. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, it is. I, I, I'm just always curious why people are in the business, you know, above and beyond the financial side. And I think that um, the more successful folks that I've met, uh, really in industry, any industry, but particularly cannabis, you know, there's there's more to it than money, right? It's, it's really kind of figuring out what is the impact they want to have and how do they want to shape this industry because it is, it is, it's it's dynamic. And there's a lot of things changing in it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, Bruce. I mean, right now you're doing what you're doing. And I hope that and a big part of why you do what you do is you get to meet some neat people. Yeah, exactly. I think we mentioned that. You mentioned that. I, I, I think that that is it, man, because, you know, we're without people. What do you have? You have nothing. You have zero, period, zero. Yeah. It's, it's it's a big huge vacuum and so that's why we you know ultimately do these things is to be with people that we can you know uh, really like even love even love yeah you know? no yeah it is it's um I mean having like I said having worked in lots of different industries and I mean, originally coming out of tech and, and things like that I must say that the cannabis industry is noticeably different in terms of kind of the social and the cultural aspect of it and it's it's one of the pleasures that I have in having you know worked in cannabis now for quite some time it's just yeah getting to know the people the culture the the communities is is huge so it's and it makes a real difference into your day to day Michael this has been a pleasure if people want to find more about you about Goldstock what's the best way to get that information I would say just uh, check out our website and um, yeah, do it that way. And uh, it's uh, the name of our company is Goldstock, and that's G O L D S T A L K dot com. And uh, www. We're on the World Wide Web. That's a joke. <laughs> anyway, we're on the World Wide Web. You know, um, but anyway, yeah. So Goldstock and and go through the web and see what we're all about. It kind of you know t- talks a little bit about how we originated and how we uh, process transactions. And it's actually a pretty good tool for for both founders who are capital and for investors who, who don't just want to go into uh, the stock market in cannabis, but actually want to do a hands-on, point-to-point, belly-to-belly transaction that might be a 45-minute drive from their home. You know, it's just, it's just yeah. that's kind of like, kind of sets us apart a little bit. But yeah, I would say that's the best way um, to start. That's great. I'll make sure that the information is in the show notes here so people can click through and get that. Michael, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Likewise, Bruce. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you and uh, this great podcast of yours. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.